Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Hey, learn more about the church behind the program, how to contact us, and learn more about the podcast when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians 4, 21 through 5-1, called Standing Firm in Freedom. It's the truth that sets people free. Back to Galatians chapter 4. It's the truth that will set us free. But there were people chained to false theology in Paul's day. We've identified them as the Judaizers, the false teachers in Galatia. Some have called them the influencers. And they're trying to tell people in Galatia, after they've received the gospel and been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, that there is more to it, and you're really not saved unless you get circumcised. You're really not saved unless you have a kosher diet. You're really not saved unless you honor the festivals, and on and on it goes. And they were preaching a false gospel. And Paul says, listen, don't you know what the law says? Why would you put yourself there? Now he's going to give us what's called an allegorical uh, approach to an Old Testament text. This is technical. So if you came today and you didn't have your coffee, uh, go out and get another cup of coffee. Come back in. No. <clears throat> You're going to need to think with me a little bit here. Some people believe what Paul is about to do is known as a midrash. M-I-D with rash at the end. Like a commentary from a rabbi taking a meaning of a text that is not clearly the historical setting or context on the surface, if you will, and bringing out another meaning of the text, another application of the text. Some people say what Paul is doing is both allegorical and typological. I'm sorry for all the big words, but this is one of those texts. And so um, he's going to reach into an ancient text, and he says, for it is written... Notice 22, Galatians 4, Abraham had two sons, one by the bondwoman and one by the free woman. Now, no specific verse is given in verse 22. Paul is giving a general overview. Now, the two sons born to Abraham were Ishmael and Isaac, okay? And so this is the story, and the, and the two sons came from two different women. And we'll talk about how that came about. But this is the story, and Paul is going to break into an allegory from the law. Remember that the law was considered by many the first five books. So Paul says, if you want to be under the law, let me give you an example of a story in the law. So the law takes on a wider uh, definition here. It's not just the Ten Commandments or the ceremonial law. Here it's the first five books. So a story, if you will, from the law. Abraham had two different types of sons. You could say the most important thing to grab here is which son had a spiritual line to Abraham because that is the issue in Galatians. It's who, who are the true children of Abraham? Who has a spiritual line to Abraham? Not just a lineage. Remember John the Baptist said to the Pharisees who had come for baptism, he said, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Talk about political correctness, right? They're coming, it says they were coming for baptism. And, and John says, you brood of vipers. Welcome to our church. Good to have you this morning. 
Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? The ox, the axe is already at the root. <laughs> Whoa, baby. John, did you eat a little too much honey this morning? I don't know, right? He says, look, don't say that because you're the children of Abraham that you're good, paraphrasing, for God can make children of Abraham from these rocks if he wants to. <laughs> Woo, baby. <laughs> Don't think just because you're an American, you're a Christian. But my granddaddy was a minister. Great. Are you born again? It's not just about your lineage. It's not about your family history. It's not how you check a box on a medical form. Are you born from above? Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night and he says, Teacher, we know you're from God for no one can do the works that you do unless God is with him. Jesus doesn't even acknowledge what he says. I tell you the truth. You, Nicodemus, the teacher of Israel, must be born again. Nicodemus, loose paraphrase, says, Say what? <laughs> Am I supposed to enter back into my mama's womb? I'm an old guy. What are you talking about? Jesus says, No. He says, look, you must be born of water and the Spirit. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. You see, what you need, Nicodemus, is a spiritual birth. I know you're the teacher of Israel, but you must be born again. In Jewish theology, they thought Gentiles had to be born again. Only Gentiles. Only Gentiles needed to go through a mikvah, which was an ancient kind of baptism. And Jesus says, no. He turns that whole idea on its head. He says, no, you must be born again, Nicodemus. You need the new birth as just as much as anybody else. There's no distinction by pedigree or uh, ethnicity or lineage. The most important thing is a spiritual line to Abraham. Two different mothers, two different types of births. Very, very important, illustrated in the story, verse 23. But the son by the bondwoman, that's Hagar. She's not named, but it's Hagar. Was born according to the flesh. Now, we, we learned that Hagar was an Egyptian who became the maidservant of Sarai, who became Sarah. And Abram went down to Egypt in a time of famine. And when you're in Egypt, sometimes things happen in Egypt that stick with you, so to speak. Hagar was one of those results. She was the maidservant to Sarai. And here's the basic story. Basically, uh, in Genesis 15, God says to Abram, he takes him outside, he shows him the stars, and he says, your, your descendants are going to be like the stars of the sky. But Abram says, I don't have a kid. How can this promise be fulfilled? What I have is Eleazar of Damascus. He's like the head servant of my house. And he's going to inherit everything. That's what happened in that culture. Because I, I don't have a child. I don't have a boy. And God assured him, you're going to have children like the stars of the sky or the sand on the seashore. And Abraham believed the Lord. He believed the promise. And that belief was what? Reckoned to him as righteousness. God said, you took me at my word, even though you haven't realized that promise yet, and I know your biological clock is ticking. <laughs> You're getting older. Your wife is getting older. Trust me. And Abraham believed. 
It says in Romans 4, 18 and 19, in hope against hope, he believed in order that he might become a father of many nations according to that which had been spoken. So shall your descendants be, Romans 4, 19. Without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body, now as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He contemplated his own body. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I know you made a promise, Lord, but it's not looking too good. <laughs> I bought some super vitamins. I, I'm trying to work out, but I'm old. Can God make through new things through that which looks impossible? Can he bring life from barrenness? Can he bring life from that which appears to be dead? And the lesson, spiritually speaking, is that's why you're all sitting here, if you're a believer, is that he brought life from that which was dead and barren. Amen? That's the spiritual reality. Hebrews 11 honors Sarah. By faith, even Sarah herself received the ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, Hebrews 11, 11 and 12 also there was born of one man and him as good as dead at that uh, as many descendants as the stars of the heaven in number and innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. Hebrews 11, 11 and 12. I want to take you back so you can just get a peek of um, a few of these highlights in Genesis 17. Let's go there. Genesis 17. So what ends up happening is they become impatient. Uh, God makes a promise, but sometimes he makes a promise, and then he says, okay, you're going to wait until that promise is realized. And it's hard for us to wait. So they attempted to help God out, and uh, things, you know, the promise was given, but things weren't happening. And so... All of a sudden, Sarah comes to Abram, or Abraham, and says, why don't you go into Hagar, my maidservant? Why don't you be with her? And in the ancient world, if, if your wife was barren, this was an acceptable practice. You could take another wife, and that was the main reason, by the way, that some of these uh, early patriarchs took another wife, was to have offspring. So Hagar becomes the wife of Abraham, He's with her, and a child is conceived. But as soon as Hagar knew she was pregnant, the implication of the text is that she started strutting around with her belly kind of pushing out. Mm-hmm. And she despised Sarah. She would walk by her and go, Yep, I'm having a baby. What about you? <laughs> That's my own interpretation of what she did. <laughs> and so things got tense in the tent. You know what I'm saying? They, they made a daytime television special. Tension in the tent. You know, these two ladies. And Ishmael, interestingly enough, his name comes from Shema, which is the Hebrew word to hear, and El, E-L, which is the name of God. God hears. So Ishmael comes on the scene. Genesis 17, 15, God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, she is Sarai, and then becomes Sarah. 
You shall not, Genesis 17, 15, not call her name Sarai, princess, but Sarah, noblewoman, shall be her name. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Please take the time to visit our website, walkintruth.com, to learn more about the program. And if you've been listening for some time and appreciate what the program has to offer, would you please consider giving a small donation? Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry, and we're able to broadcast on this station and do the podcast because of that support. That's also how we're able to do our 633 apologetic events for free. If you're a new listener, please don't give. We're just blessed that you're listening. But if you've been listening for a while, can you give $5 today? We believe that the Lord is faithful, and your $5 donation will go a long way to help us keep this ministry going. You can give your $5 donation when you visit walkintruth.com and click on Donate. That's walkintruth.com and click on Donate. Life on the go can make it difficult to catch up on your study in the Bible. If you think about it, Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance is here for you, kind of like a daily supplement to help your spiritual growth. You can listen to Walk in Truth whenever you want because it's on podcast too. Subscribe to Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. For example, if you have an iPhone, we're on your iPodcast app already on your phone. Walk in Truth is also on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many more. So listen on your hike, during your drive, or while you're getting work done at a coffee shop. Basically, listen whenever you want. Subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Hagar becomes the wife of Abraham. He's with her, and a child is conceived. But as soon as Hagar knew she was pregnant, the implication of the text is that she started strutting around with her belly kind of pushing out. Mm-hmm. And she despised Sarah. She would walk by her and go, Yep, I'm having a baby. What about you? <laughs> That's my own interpretation of what she did. <laughs> and so things got tense in the tent. You know what I'm saying? They made a daytime television special. Tension in the tent. You know, these two ladies. And Ishmael, interestingly enough, his name comes from Shema, which is the Hebrew word to hear, and El, E-L, which is the name of God. God hears. So Ishmael comes on the scene, Genesis 17, 15, God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, she is Sarai, then becomes Sarah. You shall not, Genesis 17, 15, not call her name Sarai, princess, but Sarah, noblewoman, shall be her name. I will bless her, 17, 16. Indeed, I will give you a son by her, then I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Abraham fell on his face, and what did he do? He laughed. And he said in his heart, Will a child be born to a man 100 years old? Will Sarah, who's 90 years old, bear a child? This is funny. (laughs) Now, it was maybe the laughter of surprise, not really unbelief. And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael, Ishmael's already here now, might live before you, before thee. Lord, are you sure? (laughs) So, 
God said, no, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. Isaac means laughter, ironically enough. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. Now, over to Genesis 18, verse 10. Genesis 18, 10. He said, I will surely return to you this time next year. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. Sarah was past childbearing. And Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I become old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I indeed bear a child when I am so old? Is anything too difficult? For the Lord, at the appointed time, I will return to you at this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. Sarah denied it, however, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. Whoops. God knows everything. Now, what's the most important part here is that God brings life from barrenness. The son of promise was coming Basically, what happened was this couple, probably well-meaning, tried to help God out with the promise. Back to Galatians. You ever do that before? God makes a promise to you and you think you got to help him out? Yeah. we got to get her done. So let's, uh, let's do this. Let's do that. We'll help God out because, you know, he's, you hear people say stuff like this. God's busy. You know, he's, he's running the universe. Does he really care about this one? Does he really care about my little needs or promises that he's made to me about me or my family or my future? Yes, he does care about you. So we get ahead of God sometimes, and this is one of the tough parts of the Christian life is knowing what should I do, what's my part, what's God's part. That can be difficult, but God said, no, this son's coming from your body. Now this, 424 in Galatians, is allegorically speaking. For these women, Hagar and Sarah, are two covenants. One proceeding from Mount Sinai. Now that seems evident. We know that covenant is the law given to Moses. Bearing children who are to be slaves, she... The first of the two covenants is Hagar connected to Mount Sinai. Now, I told you this is going to get technical because it's an allegory or a midrash or there's some typology here. But here's the basic idea. Hagar is representative of something. And she was a slave in Egypt and she bore a son. The son was not the heir. So he was born essentially into slavery because of his fleshly birth. It was human effort that produced Ishmael. And so because of that, he was born into slavery. That was his uh, future by his birth, if you will. These two women are two covenants. Mount Sinai reminds us of the place the law is given, the mountain filled with fire, and so forth. They represent two covenants. Well, then what is the other covenant represented? Most evangelical scholars would argue that the other covenant is the new covenant. That would make sense. A contrast between the old and new covenant from Sinai to the cross, if you will. However, there is a case to be made that the, uh, the covenant in view is actually the Abrahamic covenant. 
But I will tell you this, even if the covenant in view is the Abrahamic covenant, the Abrahamic covenant is still fulfilled by the gospel of the new covenant. Everybody with me? Say no. No, no, we're not. Should have taken you up on that coffee. Go back to Galatians 3.16. This will help. Now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed, Galatians 3.16. He does not say into seeds is referring to many, but rather to one, to your seed, that is Christ. What I'm saying is this. The law, which came 430 years later after the covenant with Abraham, does not invalidate a covenant previously ratified by God so as to nullify the promise. For if the inheritance is based on law, it is no longer based on a promise, but God has granted it to Abraham by means of a promise. Here's the bottom line. God made an unconditional covenant with Abraham in Genesis 15 that represents the idea that when one believes in the Lord, they are made righteous by faith, by trusting God. That's the Abrahamic covenant. 430 years later, the law is given at Sinai to Moses. That law does not invalidate the covenant given to Abraham. That right standing with God comes by trusting in God. Everybody with me? So even though the law came 430 years later, it doesn't invalidate the Abrahamic covenant. That's Paul's point. That's probably the two covenants in view. Although you could say that the Abrahamic covenant is ultimately fulfilled as each person trusts Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The moment that you trust him, before you go, go into the waters of baptism, the moment that you believe, you repent of your sin and you believe in Jesus, what happens? You're born again of the Holy Spirit. It's a promise by faith through grace. You grab hold of it by faith. The grace has already been extended to you by the death and resurrection of Jesus. You've been listening to Standing Firm in Freedom, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians 4, 21 through 5, 1. And remember, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen on walkintruth.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, if you missed our 633 event last night with guests Monique Dusan and Krista Bontrager discussing race, injustice, and critical theory using scripture to define humanity, you can find the YouTube video on walkintruth.com. And please share it on social media to help spread the word. That's walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, we have called this message Standing Firm in Freedom. And you know, standing firm is really, those two words right now have a lot of meaning. Uh, Paul wrote to the Philippians and said to them, stand firm in the faith. I just taught a passage in First Thessalonians here at Living Truth, where I'm the senior pastor in the city of Corona. And there was another uh, passage, and Paul said, now we really live, First Thessalonians 3, I think it's verse 8, if you stand firm in the Lord. Now it's like a breath of fresh air if you stand firm. Now, how, do, how does this apply to standing firm in relation to Galatians 5? Well, we need to stand firm in the freedom that Christ has given us. And uh, boy, standing firm right now is important, and we need discernment on how to do that. And we have clarity from the Lord exactly on how to do that. And that's to stand firm in the gospel. It's to stand firm in what the Lord has commanded us to do, to love one another, for those of us who are leaders to shepherd his people, 
to uh, promote what makes for freedom. And I'm talking by way of the gospel now. And of course, there's implications as we are citizens of the great United States of America as well. As many struggles as this country has, man, it is a it's a great place to live. And uh, man, let's let's be praying that the Lord will help us to stand firm in our freedom. Well, I'd like to thank Monique Dusan and Krista Bontrager uh, from the Center of Bi- for Biblical Unity. And they spoke at our last night's 633 event. And it was a great evening, a very powerful evening with a lot of great interaction, questions, and a great presentation. And there's, of course, more to do. Now, if you didn't get a chance to watch this event on race, injustice, and critical theory, you can watch the event by going to walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com and get to our YouTube page and you can watch the event and I know it'll be a blessing to you. So glad you're listening to Walk in Truth. This is Pastor Michael. We will catch you tomorrow. God bless. And one more thing before we go. Walk in Truth is a listener-supported program. Your $5 donation helps us broadcast on radio, provide the podcast, and do free apologetic events like the one we had last night. It's all part of our mission to equip you with the truth in the Bible and how it applies to today's issues, trends, and culture. So please give your donation at walkintruth.com. And thanks to everyone who's been giving $5 and much more in the past few months. You are a blessing. So join us tomorrow for part three and the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians 4, 21 through 5.1 called Standing Firm in Freedom. I'm Mike Massaro, also Standing Firm in Freedom. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.